Last weekend, I went skiing in Central Oregon, which I often do here in Oregon in the winter. Both of my sons uh, went skiing with me too. One is gonna be 19 in a few months, and the other will be 27 later in the year. And we got to talking about driving in snow. My youngest has never driven in snow. My oldest has driven in snow quite a bit. So, so how do you learn to drive in snow? Well, you can't actually learn until you do it, but if you drive in the mountain passes, and you've never done it before, it can be kind of dangerous. Uh, you know, you can read about it, how it works, and you can get a list of precautions on driving slower and giving yourself plenty of space and so on, but how do you actually learn? Well, oddly enough, that topic came up on Facebook and some friends uh, discussed the same topic at about the same time, and several people my age said the same thing. When it snows in town, you go out late at night with your car to a big parking lot and you do a bunch of cookies with your car, which is what we all did. That's how we learned to drive in the snow. You spin out, you learn how your car reacts to the snow, how to correct a skid into the skid, not away from it, all that stuff. You just have fun, right? Uh, how not to slam on your brakes because that puts you out of control. How do you learn how to do something right by learning to do it in a place where you are relatively safe? That way you can do things wrong. That's what I did as a 16-year-old driver. Although I grew up in the mountains, I got a lot of practice anyway. Uh, but it was great fun to go spin out in the parking lots with four or five inches of fresh snow. To learn, you have to do. Hi, this is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, and this is the January 14th posting of Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Have you read either of my books, Trade Show Success or... Trade show superheroes and exhibiting zombies. If you do trade show marketing, you should check them out. They're both on Amazon. Well, it's first quarter, middle of January 2019, and it's pretty damn busy here at Trade Show Guy Exhibits. Uh, many of our clients exhibit at a uh, show in Anaheim in early March, the Natural Products Expo West show. And now is the time uh, to upgrade booths and make new exhibits and change out graphics and so on. And we are also welcoming at least a couple of new clients. Uh, that we'll be doing projects for at the show and look forward to seeing the new exhibits come to life. And uh, some old clients also doing some big upgrades as well. So an exciting and busy time. Uh, in, in about a week, uh, we will be exhibiting at uh, the Cannabis Collaborative Conference in Portland. It's a two-day, obviously, cannabis-related show in Oregon. Uh, probably about 125 to 150 exhibitors. Uh, looking forward to that. Been doing some pre-show uh, marketing, sending out postcards, inviting people to come by and pick up, if they're exhibitors, a uh, free copy of book. So that's kind of what our pre-show marketing is. We'll see how that goes. Uh, looking forward to that. Also this week, a great conversation about what it takes to improve the results on your trade show marketing. In fact, uh, if you take the advice of my guests, you may view trade show marketing from a very different perspective. They're trying to create this whole shift. I sat down with Diana Guerin and Alice Hyman of Trade Show Makeover, a new company that's looking to change the way exhibitors approach trade show marketing. I think you'll get a lot from this conversation. I know I did. So here we go. I'd like to introduce uh, Diana Guerin and Alice Hyman of Trade Show Makeover to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Thanks for uh, joining me this morning. I really appreciate it. Hey, Tom. We're happy to be here. And so you guys are obviously in different locations, uh, zooming in here. Where, where, are you, where are you from? Where are you located? Well, Alice is in Reno, Nevada, um, and I'm just outside of Chicago. So we we're running a nationwide organization, and we run it from uh, multiple locations. So tell me about Trade Show Makeover. What is it? How did it come about? I'm going to give this one to Alice. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> what is Trade Show Makeover? 
trade show makeover is a company that's disrupting the trade show industry. We're taking a look at trade shows in a way that maybe hasn't been looked at before. So we want to make sure that sales organizations that participate in trade shows are actually generating revenue and getting a return on investment. And we also want to make sure that the, the people who organize the trade shows and put them on are adding tremendous value to their exhibitors so they can retain them. And so we're really looking at it from a sales perspective for everyone. How do we all win and how do we all generate revenue out of this trade show business that's been going on for many, many years and will continue to go on because we're all in business to do business. And we want to make sure that that's what's happening at trade shows. We're doing business. Well, so, so there's obviously so many aspects of trade show marketing uh, from the logistics to the booth and the people and all that. So you're focusing kind of narrowing down on, on the sales and, and really kind of where the rubber meets the road as it were is right there in that interaction between a visitor and the booth staffers. So what kind of things do you get into with that? I'm just curious. Well, so it's, it's a great question, Tim, but I, I think that to sort of reframe the conversation about what trade show makeover is about, um, we do know that there are a lot of experts out there about trade show marketing. We really have shifted. The, now, of course, marketing and sales need to work together. And in some cases, they're working together better than ever before. But the focus of trade show makeover is really to bring proven sales processes, skills, tool sets, skill sets, and techniques to each aspect of your trade show participation so that you're actually turning more of those leads into deals because that's the biggest complaint that we hear from our customers is they come home with a whole lot of leads, but they feel like they're leaving a lot of money on the trade show floor. And we make sure that they're set up before, during, and after the show with our create, dominate, generate process that um, helps them to bring home more deals and then take the work that they did at one show and, and benefit each show afterwards more and more so that um, so they just get better and better at their participation. So it sounds like a lot of it really is post-show that, that is, is where the follow-up is where really that's, that's where the magic happens because a lot of great stuff happens at a show, but uh, you're right. Uh, you know, the first, I think, statistic I heard in this industry that shocked me was eight out of 10 leads are not followed up on. And that has held true in, in a lot of uh, uh, surveys that I've seen over the years, which is astonishing. You know, you, you spend all this money, you go there and you gather all these leads. So why aren't they followed up on? But so I'm guessing you dig into that as well as what happens after the show quite a bit. We do. But what we say is it's already too late after the show. <laughs> yeah. So what we're trying to do, and when we say disrupt an industry, we're really trying to shake this up and look at it differently. Trade shows are part of, part of the way that you generate leads. For most companies, it's in the top three. It's one of the top three ways that they plan to generate leads for their year to hit their number. And yet, it's not a company-wide process. Typically, trade shows live in marketing, and then sales is part of it. But marketing does their part, and then sales does their part, and they don't communicate together very well. And so one of the things that we want to do is make sure that trade shows is looked at as a 
part of your bigger sales and marketing plan and that sales and marketing not only work together, but that the entire company understands what role trade shows play in their success. So if we start with a different mindset about trade shows and understand that this should not be a cost center, this should actually be a revenue center for us, and we change our mindset from the CEO and CFO on down that this should be a revenue center. Now, as part of your sales and marketing plan for the year, how do sales and marketing work with the rest of the company to put on trade shows, summits, events, you know, that are actually going to generate revenue? And the only way that can happen, of course, is if you turn the leads into deals. Now, we've got to get qualified leads to, to be able to make, turn them into deals. The problem is we get a lot of leads, they're not qualified. So we wanna look at it as where do you begin so that the end is easy? So if we do things right in the beginning and we have a strategy for trade shows for the entire year and how that's gonna fit into our budget and our revenue, and we use that strategy to make a plan for each and every trade show, then the follow-up is a snap and we've got qualified leads and just a, instead of just a list of people's badges that we scanned. And when you have qualified leads, a much higher percentage will turn into deals. Yes, the follow-up's critically important, but that should have all been planned well in advance. Right. It can't be left till the salespeople get back in their office after the show. Yeah, I think the qualified leads is a very critical part. I was just having a conversation with a gentleman about 45 minutes ago this morning uh, that reached out to me, and he's never done this before. He's doing a very small show, a very regional show in Southern California, and he said, yeah, some friend suggested I get this fishbowl and, and give away some, <laughs> raffle some stuff, and I said, well, and we talked about it. I said, what you're going to get is people that put the card in there because they want to win something, not right. because they're going to be a good lead. So, you know, be very careful of what you're doing around that. I would, I, I think you're better off either uh, having people sign up for a raffle and getting their name and email and things like that. So you're narrowing that down and you're getting more, uh, you're getting better information before yeah. you, it comes out at the end. So I think that's a, yes. that's a very good point. What are the, what significant challenges that your clients face or, or exhibitors face to your mind that, uh, you know, that you guys can help take a look at and help solve? What, what kind of things come up? Well, I'll, I'll start, but Alice, um, Alice has a really good answer for this to dig in on it. Um, I think the primary challenge that any company is facing today is attention deficit disorder <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah, so what it takes to go to a show and perform in the way that is really worth the investment that you're putting in. You know, some of the, some of the clients that we work with are spending tens, hundreds of thousands, even into the millions on their trade show participation, but they're not treating it as the activity before, during, and after that you would normally treat that kind of an investment with because what, they, what they're telling their board members, I'm sure this makes CFOs absolutely crazy, um, what they're telling their board members and their C-suite is, we can't not be at the show. You know, so there's, there's almost a lack of accountability of you know, what is this money doing for us in our spend? So um, that's, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is to get people in the mindset of this is an investment. This is part of an overall marketing sales strategy where you can start to get cost per appointment, cost to acquire a client, 
you know, what are we investing to get the lifetime value of a client? But most companies aren't thinking about it that way. And that's how we're helping them to transform their way of thinking about these strategies so that they can start to bring their numbers in line. I think the way of thinking yes. is very important. So go, so go ahead, Alice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. The challenge is mindset. So is this a marketing expense? We can't afford not to show up at the show because they'll think we're out of business or whatever. Is this a marketing <laughs> right. expense with, with a more unable to measure the return on investment? No, this is a lead generation activity that should turn into sales and we should get a return on our investment. So I think the mindset has to shift, first of all. So that's a challenge. Secondly, I... I think this has always been the challenge, but even more so today, there's so much competition out there. You're at any show walking down rows and rows and rows, right? Of yes. exhibit booths. Which one should I stop into? How will I know, you know, which one is what? I, I have no way of knowing. And so today, more than ever, you've got to design a booth that is going to draw people in. It's got to have the right colors, the right design. It's got to be interactive. It's got to be engaging. And then once you've got them in the booth, you've got to have a memorable conversation with them so that the follow-up becomes easy. But most of the booths, when I go, Diane and I walk up and down the aisles and we're like, they look <laughs> the same. I, you, the same. Yeah. You, they look exactly. the same. And you cannot figure out from glancing what these companies do. They haven't done a good job of giving you a, a short, very focused message that says, we do this, come in to learn more, right? Um, they don't even use colors that engage the person who's walking by. So I think the challenge is if you're going to be at a show, you have got to figure out how you're going to stand out and be memorable. And that starts with your booth. And so booth designers need to work closely with sales and marketing to ask them, who are you trying to attract and why? What kind of conversations will you have once you're in the booth? What will signal them to come in? So if it's a, you're trying to get a VP of sales to walk into your booth, what words, what colors, what design is going to get a VP of sales to go, ooh, I'm walking into that booth. Yeah. So I think we have to, instead of just making a, a really nicely designed booth, we have to think about the eyes of the person who is our, our target audience and what is going to attract them in. And then of course, what we do in the booth, once we get them in, there is a whole nother story. So that challenge of the booth being engaging, having it stand out, having it draw people in, I think that is a huge challenge. I think I would argue also that that as as important as the booth is, and I think all those things you talk about are very important. Uh, if you have a booth staff that is not trained to deal yes. with the people that right. come through, <laughs> uh, you're still gonna you're gonna fall short in so many ways. And you can have a booth that's kind of not great, but if your booth staff is really on top of it and knows how to ask those engaging questions and, and qualify and disqualify very quickly and politely, you're you're going to do better than than the guys across the the hall that have a great booth, but don't have that great booth staff. Would you agree on that? 100%. It's, <laughs> okay. it's a full package. You got to have a great booth, great staff, great follow-up. You got to create, dominate, and generate. And that's really what it's all about. But you're right. If your booth isn't fantastic, but you have people who are and can do the conversations in a memorable way, 
yeah, of course, you know, you're going to win a lot more and you're going to know who's qualified and who's not. So you don't waste your time on the follow-up. Diana, do you have anything to add to that? I'm just Well, kidding. I do. So I think one of the most powerful things when people, it's kind of an aha moment when you're working with our clients, and I'm sure you've run into this, Tim, is um, trade shows offer a very unique marketplace that the companies that know how to take advantage of the very unique business opportunities that are associated with trade shows can really crush it. And what I mean by that is, a lot of times, executives tell us, and I think there's a statistic that like 77% of executives tell us that they made a significant purchase as a result of their, you know, attending a trade show. So you have the eyes, the ears, the minds of the executives who can make decisions. They come to write a check. If you know how to engage those people, they're not putting their they're not putting their badge in your, they're not putting their card in your fishbowl to win an iPad. Right. They want to have a meaningful conversation. So there are very unique opportunities that you can take advantage of. Your cost per appointment of meeting in person, you can reduce by 40% if you do your trade shows right because you've got them there. And everybody knows that a face-to-face -face conversation is far more powerful than any sales conversation. How many times do you have to call somebody and leave a voice message that never gets answered, send an email that gets deleted, but you've got them right there in front of you? And that's why it makes me crazy when the top salespeople want to stay home from the trade show. They should be like, I'm there. I'm yeah. pulling my number this year, but just by this the- This is my big opportunity. <laughs> right? And yeah. I think that's the aha moment. Right. When the CEOs or whoever's making the decisions say, let's send the um, sales development reps, the SDRs, the BDRs, the, the business developers, let's send them to the show so our salespeople can keep doing what they're doing. We're making decisions about who to send to the booth that are, are really ruining our chances of talking to the right people. Because if I'm a senior executive and I walk into your booth and you have a 25 year old there who doesn't know really very much about me or how I think or what I've been through in my life or what I do, how I do business, all they know is your product and they can pitch and they can maybe ask a few questions, but they really can't have a conversation. I'm turned off immediately and want to walk away. I don't want a demo. I don't want to pitch. I want to talk to you and learn, you know, who runs your company? How does your, what's your culture? How can you fit with my company? Can you solve my problem? A 25 year old, no offense, love them, cannot have that conversation with a person who has been in business for 20 years. And you know, it's just, it's an impossible situation. So we, we really, um, have a captive audience at these trade shows, as yeah. Diana was saying, and we want to take advantage of that captive audience. And we can do that if we staff the booth correctly, even put some subject matter experts in there. CEOs can be there part of the time, really maybe have a guest that can offer some, you know, special information or something. Really think about how we staff that booth and then train the people who are in the booth exactly on what we want them to do and what kind of conversations we want them to have. Yeah, I think the point of that is is that what you just said at the very end is that, you, yes, you may have some great salespeople who are great at doing their job, but aren't familiar or comfortable with, with trade shows. And so those people specifically need some training and you may run into problems like, oh, I know everything, how to do this. And, but they get to a trade show floor, it's a whole different environment. It's, it's chaotic. There's a lot of people going by. So I think having some training in, for that specific setting is, is also critical. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. A couple more things before we go. Do you have any tips that you can share uh, with ex exhibitors from your perspective? A couple of things they should do, shouldn't do. I'm just curious what comes to mind. I love Alice's answer to this question. 
<laughs> plan. Alice. Plan. Plan. <laughs> right? Organizing. Execute. Yes. <laughs> Right. Uh, the tip, that's the tip. What we find when we go into work with our clients is that they have not done the proper planning and that's, you know, you can't, they, they, sh they, they build a booth and show up and do a thing, but there was not enough planning before the show to, uh, you know, to make things work. So plan what you're going to do before the show, what the before show communication is, what the before show uh, emails are, calls are, what needs to be designed or built, what people are going to wear, um, what we're going to, what kind of promotion we're going to do, everything about it, plan it, plan, you know, to, to be ready, right? So that's the create phase of our process. Then plan to dominate at the show. You don't just show up. So what are you going to do in the booth? Train everybody ahead of time. You know, all of these kinds of things have to happen ahead of time. And that will, um, you know, that will get us prepared to dominate at the show. And then all of the follow-up should have been planned way in advance. That's why I say plan, 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 and then execute. Because- yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to make it happen. And I would think that in my experience, a lot of the companies I work with are small to medium size, and so they don't have large marketing crews. And, and this time, okay, I've got shows, clients going to shows in early March. And right now, the ones that are they're doing booth stuff, all their time is focused and sucked up by that booth. They've got so much to do with that that all this other stuff just kind of goes to the wayside. Right. And I think over years, you learn that, okay, I could do it better next time. And so it's an ongoing process. I would also make that observation that even if you do it this time and it's not perfect, you can, you can improve next time around and, and learn from your, uh, you know, from your, your experience. Absolutely. Well, Diana's you know, the master of that. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Diana, I was just going to say, you're the master of that, the debrief. Well, the, yeah. So the one thing that makes the most difference for our clients is the process that we develop, that it's going to be the same thing. 90% of the shows are going to be the same thing do not keep reinventing the wheel. You can keep improving, but if you put a good process in place, you don't have to do all of that thinking every single time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you debrief after each show so that you can decide what worked and what didn't, and then use that the next time. But you've got a template. We do these things before the show. We do these things during the show. We do these things after the show, and we never forget to do them. Right. You do them with consistency and rigor, and that is how you increase the number of deals. It's like, imagine if you close one more deal. Imagine if you closed two more deals, what that would mean. Three more deals, 10 more deals. So. If you apply our process with consistency and rigor, you will turn more leads into deals and generate the revenue that you need and get the return on your investment. Just one or two more things uh, before I let you guys go, and that is uh, you did some online training recently. You want to share some of that, uh, what you guys have done and, and maybe what you have planned for the future? Sure. I'll, uh, so the way that we, we've been, both Alice and I have been using um, similar curriculum for companies for many, many years, but we have come together and we launched our new company called Trade Show Makeover in November with a huge uh, three-day online summit with 30 speakers on every aspect of the show. People can still get access to those sessions for free. They're, mm -hmm. 50, they're about 15 minutes each. They're very powerful, but they need to come to our exclusive Facebook group and request access. And it will be free access if you mention that you 
got us out of the um, out of this podcast. So okay. Tim, well, we want to put that in trade show guy. Exactly. And then um, we also have a six uh, a six module introductory course to the two thing two modules on create, two modules on demo, on dominate, two modules on generate that give you a really good high level overview of where you need to start. And I'll send you the link to that course where people can sign good. up for that. Good. And then uh, your main website, how's, what's, uh, how can people find that? It's tradeshowmakeover.com. Very nice. Uh, Diana Guerin and Alice Hyman of Trade Show Makeover. So uh, enjoyable to spend some time with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Diana Guerin and Alice Hyman of Trade Show Makeover for spending some time on the show. I really got a lot out of it. I hope you did too. Uh, this week's Trade Show Marketing Tip, more of an attitude than a specific tip. And I think it kind of relates back to my description of learning to drive in snow, which is this. You can't learn to do it right without actually doing it. You have to learn to do it wrong and what work doesn't work and what does work. You won't get it perfect the first time or the second time or maybe even the 10th time. Maybe never get it perfect, but you'll get better. Uh, it's an ongoing process and one that can always be improved. But the more you do it and the more attention you pay to the various elements of it, the better you'll get at it. Uh, let's bring this week's episode of Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee to a close with this week's one good thing. It's the uh, Jack Reacher novel, The Hard Way. Just finished reading this like yesterday. Uh, I'm in the process of reading all of the Jack Reacher novels in order of release, and I'm about halfway through. I think this was like uh, 2005, 2006, something like that. I thought this was the best so far. Great story, well-crafted, well-written, uh, a couple of really fun plot twists, and of course the Jack Reacher character. Uh, very well described and detailed. The character in the book is not a whole lot like the Tom Cruise version in the movies. Um, <laughs> much better in the book, in my opinion. But that's week, uh, this week's one good thing. Have yourself a great week and come back next week. We'll see you then. Trade Show Guy, Monday morning coffee.